Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back for another week of Talking Ball with Coach Bob Wiley. Coach Wiley, as always, this season's been fun. It's shaping up to be pretty exciting, and we got another great guest today in Kyle Kasky. Yes, yes. I, I always look forward to doing this and watch that Kansas City game on Thursday night, and, and that was an excellent football game. I thought that San Diego was playing well. I thought Kansas City in the first half it wasn't as sharp as they probably should have been. Right, but then you can tell the championship teams they came right back in the second half. So I, I always look forward to exchanging information and the coaches that you bring in, the guests that we have. I know we have another good one today in, in Kyle Kasky. So uh, you can do the introductions, Keith, and let's go. So Kyle Kasky had the opportunity to meet him at the Cool Clinic. He was a speaker there and gave an outstanding presentation on game planning for exotic pressures and we're going to talk a little bit about blitz pickup today and planning for those types of things and uh, coach Kasky began as a player at Texas A&M went on to GA at Louisiana Monroe was a recruiting coordinator for Indiana State went to Ole Miss then got his first job in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals as a quality control coach then an offensive line coach in 2014 he moved over to the running backs took the same job with the Lions and then the Jaguars. So he's made his way around the NFL and college football and certainly has picked up a lot of experience here. So, Coach, we're, we're happy to have you here today on the podcast to talk about blitz pickup and protection. Hey, it's great to be here. And uh, you know, I've known Coach Wiley for a long time, and it's really cool to hear the things he has to say because he sees it from a perspective of a guy who's done it a, a, a lot longer than I have and but has also been around a lot of the same people I have and you know coach I appreciate you having me on when we were, were searching for names to have people on the show I said he has to be on he's going to be on <laughs> I think what what you do Kyle in preparation to pick up the blitzes because I think sacks people say well pressures and sacks I know sacks really put you behind where you need to be pressure he may miss the ball but you still may be second and 10, but it's better to be second and 10 than second and 21. Yeah. You know, I think too, you, you mentioned sacks, but I think too, that there's, there's teams. I think if you've watched the Cincinnati Bengals last year and everybody talks about how many times Burrow was sacked, but think about how many times he was hit too. And the sacks, yeah, those get put in the stats and they, and they put you back, but there's a point where, you know, the hits start taking a toll on the guy that's calling the plays for you. And, 
you know, Coach, I, I know you've said in the past you're as good as that guy, you know, at, at the quarterback position sometimes. And, you know, you want him to be upright all the time. So, you know, the sacks and the hits. And that, I think that's what I've been allowed to do over the past seven seasons for sure uh, since I've been a running back coach is is be in charge of, of blitz and, the you know, the pressures and uh, the protection plan going into – and to Mondays and Tuesdays when we when we put our game plan together and the things I've learned from being with different O line coaches has allowed me to see things from different perspectives and and not and know that there's obviously there's not one way to do things and you just got to be able to find ways especially with like like you said if if you know if your quarterback's really good you can allow the quarterback to do it but what if you have a rookie quarterback who's struggling then you got to you know maybe it's your center and then we had a chance when Detroit where we had a backup quarterback and a backup center playing at the time and uh carry on Johnson my running back was helping the quarterback out back there so you got to kind of find ways to do that and uh, I worked with you at the cool clinic this year and I did that exotic pressure pickup presentation for the guys and one of the things and coach I want to hear your opinion on this because I I know you've got a lot of ways to do things and you play a team like say Tampa Bay and and that's where this whole that's where this whole idea came from when I was on the cool clinic with you is they ran every every blitz every pressure every front everything under the moon on third downs and and really on any down but especially on third downs in two minutes and you would get overload fronts you would get the split front double a fronts you would get odd fronts you'd get spinner fronts you'd get regular fronts i mean and then they would bring things every combination of blitz under the you know in that so what i did that week was instead of trying to present it as hey here's the they run this blitz the most they run this blitz the second most it was no there's packages here so there's fronts and the structure of the defense that shows up so if you have an overloaded front with three line three d linemen on one side and one on the other, and they, they can mug guys in there. It doesn't matter. But if it's an overloaded front, we have rules for that. If it was a double-A front, we had rules for that. If it was a nickel-bear front, we had rules for that. And then it, it just went into all the different things that were starting to show up within those groupings and understanding when we get that front, this protection adjustment kicks in. So like a lot of teams go to the the Abbey calls on double-A's where you, you have the back – go up and block in the a gap and the line is sliding out and you know they're just they just keep sliding to the widest and then you pick it up that way but you know what happens if that doesn't work versus all their double a's you got to find the adjustments for that week but at least you know double a front comes up there's a like you know i think coach you you know i'll let you talk with like you have a checklist of things that happen before you kick that other adjustment in and if it doesn't if those things don't happen if you motion a guy across and it's just man covers and you just block you block your protection rules. And, and, you know, Coach, I'd like to hear what you say. I think, Kyle, you're, you're right on the right course. Obviously, you're, you're, you do a hell of a job with it. And what I can tell you, and I think I mentioned it earlier, I, I would, and Owen, and, and Casey Wigman, who are two of the best guys I've ever had in the same team together playing the same spot, we would sit down and we'd go through the film and say, okay, we got these three triggers, I call them, that we need to get to. And if we can check the boxes off on all three, then we're going to have a right to change the protection to what we need to change it to. Mm-hmm. And so that that was very helpful. But the thing that was really unique when I was doing what you were doing, or actually I was with the running back coach at the time. I wasn't the running back coach, but our running back coach at the time. Mm-hmm. And we had to play the Jets. Okay, and it was Kelly Skipper, I believe. We were playing the Jets, 
when I was with the Oakland Raiders. And he came into the office and I said, okay, what do we got? And we broke it down because Rex Ryan called the defensive game on a five-by-seven card. But there's only mm-hmm. so many things that you can write down on that card, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a big card. It's not a big piece yeah. It's not like those billboards that they have. Like you saw Andy Reid the other night. Those guys carry those yeah. billboards around with all those plays on them and stuff, okay? Now, it was, he has a five-by-seven card. So what I did is I had the center in the, in the line. I had them face the defense and watching the defensive personnel come on the field. So when they get into nickel, they're running these blitzes, okay? When they get yeah. into dime, they're going to run these blitzes. When they get into a 34 structure, they're running these blitzes. So it may be the same blitz, but they may run it with different people on the field. Yep. You know what I mean? The exact same pattern of a blitz, but mm-hmm. with different personnel on the field. So if we knew what personnel was coming on the field, then we automatically did what you did. We put it. We put it into a into a little grouping that says, "Okay, guys, this personnel you're getting these blitzes. Okay, now what do they get? What are your triggers to pick it up?" And it's basically what you did. We end up beating the Jets. It was the same concept that you're that you're you're doing. I thought it was really good that you you followed that concept that you you thought about and doing it that way. Now I I, got, I don't know when was I with the Raiders two thousand. 10 or 11, somewhere back there. You know what I mean? But that, distance, right? that's, yeah. and you got to know, and you got to be studying. You know, people kind of study just the blitz, right? Mm-hmm. You got to study the guy that's calling the game. Yep. You got to know who that defensive coordinator is, and you got to know who the people that are that surround them. So you got to get a feeling for what he does or what he likes to do. Who is that guy? You know, is the, you know, Rex was calling a game. It wasn't the defensive coordinator. Rex was calling a game. So you got to figure out who's calling a game. Is the defensive coordinator calling a game? Is the head coach calling a game? Who's doing this? So that, that's what we, what we, that I tried to do, or we, the guys that were with me at the time. And and you, 12 years later, you're doing the same thing no, no longer, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, is the right course to take, Kyle. You're, you're mm-hmm. right on, right on, power that thing now you know coach one of the things too is so you get into the game week and and you see things on film and the the game that i this triggered me from was a late in the season game around christmas but if you play a team in mid you know mid-season that maybe has a a a new coordinator a new head coach and and but they've shown quite a bit of things you got to think though what's the next thing they're going to do from that because they also know what's on film and they self-scout and it's just like we do on offense is we we self-scout and we say we've run too much under center or we've every time this back is in, he's doing this or all those cases. But so we started to look at either I would do it or the line coach would do it. And we would just, we would make up the next thing we thought was coming. That was logical. If they had gotten in the double a fronts and they had brought the, the, in, the two internal guys and twisted them or whatever, but then they had brought a, a fire zone from the field, but none from the boundary we would practice one from the boundary just in case, you know, we would find, you know, find one that was similar and, and set it up and just, just to make sure that, Hey, listen, we got that covered. We wouldn't go, we wouldn't go chasing ghosts, but at the same time, if it's a logical next step for, like you said, that coordinator. So like when we played uh, Vance Joseph, um, when Cliff Kingsbury took over in Arizona uh, in 19, Vance Joseph was his guy. Well, Vance, and there was no Arizona film for us. 
but I've known Vance for years. I worked with him in Cincy, and Vance does what Vance does. But we went back and looked at a lot of the stuff he'd done, and I'm like, well, he's done everything. So, But logically, what are they going to do in the first game of the year? And they've got certain packages, and you practice those. But I, I think that's that was, the, that was the next step after seeing what you've already seen on film was just answering a question of what's the next adjustment we may have to make in the game. Yeah, you're solving the problem before it occurs. Yeah. That's what you're doing, well, that, you know, like the double A gap, and they're trying to, and all of a sudden you're going to get the guy that's into the boundary, the left backer that's up in the A gap into the boundary. He's trying well, to run to get out to the slot because they're bringing the slot or they're bringing the mm-hmm. corner. You know what I mean? So, but they've never shown it, but that would be the next yeah. step to the double A gap stuff. And so, yeah, and, and I, I think you, you, you mentioned. You mentioned you got together with your with your your centers and you, you guys talked through all this stuff and I mean it, it, there I think there is a there's a fine line between chasing ghosts and being logical about like here's what this protection protects us from and this is what it doesn't protect us from and your quarterback should know that too but and and not having to just make something up and say hey they might do this but you know hey if if they decide to flip this protection or flip this pressure. We just got to be ready with an answer. You know, I said this on the, the podcast a while back that things you don't tell them are just as important as the things that you do tell them. Yeah. Because yeah. you can give them way too much information and really mess them up. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about just technique. I'm talking about the whole game plan. You know, yeah. I, I need to be alert for this, and I need to be alert for that, and you need to be alert for the next thing you know, they need to be alert. For everything that can possibly be put in the defensive playbook, you're going to mess that kid up big time. No doubt. <laughs> and and that's where I, I mean you've seen it, I've seen it that that you can you oversaturate your game plan with too much stuff, and you never get good at, at anything. And and your rules, your base your base rule is almost the exception, instead of all the exceptions being the exception. Your base rule is the exception, and it shouldn't be that way, but that, I mean that's just how it kind of goes sometimes. You're asking for trouble when that happens, so, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, we were talking about like Joe Burrow, that poor guy. I mean, he was sacked seven times. Uh, I know. You know that 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 yeah. <laughs> that poor kid. I hope he I hope he makes it I mean, to his third year. He may not get through his second. <laughs> you know, the amazing thing about that is though. They had a minus five turnover ratio. He got sacked seven times, and they still should have won the game. You know, I mean, yes, yes, yes. If it wasn't for the long snapper being out, I mean, Clark Harris was out, and I mean, and and that goes into a whole other thing too. Is and it's a long snapper issue, I know. But what what happens if your center goes out or your quarterback goes out, and and you've got all these rules? It, does does the next is the next guy gonna be able to handle all the all the crap you've already thrown at the starters, you know, and uh, having having that guy ready for all the different crazy things we just had to put in this week. So you know, if you oversaturate it, you get you run into that problem. I always tried to make sure that the centers when we met, I always had both centers of the quarterbacks there, so we were yeah. on the same page. We weren't going to get off that. We were gonna, and we were mm-hmm. going to meet before anybody else got into the building really early in the morning. <laughs> Okay, we yeah. would go Wednesday. Sometimes with some of the teams I've been with, Kyle, 
right? I, I went to the players and I said, look, guys, we need to get together on Tuesday. If you can, guys can come into the building on Tuesday, that would be real helpful. So yeah. on Tuesday, I would get them for like an hour. You know, I said, come, you got to yeah. come and work out anyway. So let's meet for an hour. And then we'll, we'll go over everything that I have. And then we went over it on Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. And if I felt comfortable, I wouldn't, you know, I'd let Friday go. But if I didn't feel yeah. comfortable yet with it, then we'd do it again on Friday morning. <laughs> so if the second team quarterback was any good, he would be the first team quarterback, you know? No doubt. So you don't want to get the first team quarterback knocked out and have to play with the second team quarterback. Yeah. And now you got problems. So as I hear you guys talking about this, one question that comes to mind and directed to Kyle here, you talked about that week where, okay, we got to take a different approach to this. It isn't they're running this is their first best, this is their next best. And that's the way a lot of people do it. But as I'm thinking about how you've compartmentalized it, you you also then create, I think, a, a system that's going to carry over from week to week because you're starting to look at things in a certain way. You've found the, the patterns that are going to repeat not just that particular week, but they're going to come up again later in the season. And then probably you have a system of answers that goes along with it too. So did you see a transition there in your teaching and how you were working with guys when you started to, to look at it more as a compartmentalized approach? Yeah, and I, I think I think you hit it on the head. It goes, you can use it from week to week because the defensive scheme from team to team, yeah, it changes. And maybe the speed of how they do things changes because they got better players maybe at one team than the other. But in all reality, you know the you have you have guys to block them and they got guys to rush and and those schemes go you know teams use it it's a it's a copycat league for one I mean somebody sees something work they're going to try it until you, they see you stop it and especially if they run something similar so one of the things we did you know coach talked about meeting with his players early on Wednesday Thursday Friday and uh, we always had a since I've been with I was with Daryl Bevel for the last three years two in Detroit and one in Jacksonville and. We always had a Wednesday, Thursday morning, uh, you know, this was like during, uh, it was actually pre-special teams. And then the special teams guys would leave and whoever was left in there, we kept going. But it was a protection meeting and it was the first thing they had. And and what we would talk about the defense and what what the structure was. And then we get into their pressures. And a lot of times I would say, hey, you remember our Green Bay game plan? Well, this is similar to that. Or you remember our Minnesota game plan? this was similar to that so you know and and we gave them these notebooks and and if they were doing it correctly which we always had to go check but they could go game by game in these notebooks that they had and they could you know go back to the minnesota game and look at their notes from minnesota and try to you know keep those if it was something they already knew don't go try to reinvent the wheel just refresh them on it and I feel like it did that. And then one of the things we did, I know, obviously I didn't get a second year in Jacksonville um, with what happened last year, but with my second year in Detroit, because we had a lot of the the same guys kind of coming back, the off season was virtual and in 2020. So, you know, you didn't get all the on the field work stuff that you were getting, but what, but what we did was we went back on virtually and refreshed everybody on those topics and treated it as if we were having one of those meetings and each day was on a different you know a different type of scheme double a one one week was bear one week was odd spinner one week was uh you know just regular four down blitzes but you had that ability once you had it installed and that's why some of these teams have been together coach Wiley, you know some of these teams have been together for a long time 
and you got the same guys, you know, you, you try not to get complacent with it, but at the same time, you, you're not having to reteach everything all the time. It's more of a refresher course and then finding maybe better ways to do it. Well, I know, you know, I was always amazed that the, the better, the smarter, I should say, that your centers are, or the easier it is to make the changes. Okay, because mm-hmm. they understand. They understand where they understand where the blitz is coming from. They understand where the quarterback's looking at. They understand the, the, all the protections and how they work. Okay, and what the strengths and weaknesses are of protections. The, those guys are the, are the quarterback before the quarterback gets in the huddle. Those are the guys that really, you really rely on those guys. And, and during the game, okay, you rely on them because they're going to see it. Then they're going to know what's happening before you do as a coach. They're uh-huh. out there. So they'll be able to make the changes while they're in the huddle. Because as you well know, you may have a 10-play drive. You're standing on the sideline or you're up in a box. You can't help them. There's nothing mm-hmm. you can do to help them. They better be able to make the corrections and do that by themselves out there on the field. That's yeah. where I think, uh, you know, when they're prepared, like you prepare your guys, right, that's when it really shows up. Especially mm-hmm. if you're playing a guy like Dick LeBeau. You know, Dick LeBeau would run, because I was with Dick for a long time. What he used to do is run certain blitzes in the first half. Okay, mm-hmm. well, you're figuring out what the blitzes are and how you're picking them up and all that stuff, okay? In the second half, they give you a completely different set of blitzes. You know? yeah. <laughs> we had that with him in Pittsburgh, yeah. You know, that, I thought that was a really smart way to do it. It really is. Because mm-hmm. here you are, as the coaching staff, you're – you figure, okay, we got this one, we got, they're going to do this one here, they're going to do this one here. All of a sudden, second half, none of that stuff fits anymore because he's doing yeah. something entirely different than he did the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Got to make your changes on the run. And, uh, but that's like you said, the, the intelligence level. Yeah, I got one, one quick story about uh, Matthew Stafford. You talk about being smart and savvy about what you were doing. And in 2020, when we had no fans, I was in Detroit and like for, I'd say six of our eight games, we had literally nobody in the stands. And then two of them, we had 500 friends and family. So there was like nobody there ever. And uh, I can't remember who we were playing, but anyway, uh, they had, they had shown some, all these different blitzes and stuff. We had, we were ready for it. They had like the entire defense over to the left and it was like an overloaded front and like two other guys standing on the left. It was the one defensive end and maybe like another safety about 10 yards deep, but he was arguing with like the dime guy and they were over there trying to figure out what to do and stuff. And and Stafford just like flips the protection. He moves, he moves the protection to the right all the way away from everybody on the left. And he picked, they, they sure enough, they rotated down right for the snap and they brought a blitz from the right and uh, come off the, come off the sideline and talk to the running backs for a minute and make an adjustment. So I'll walk over to the quarterbacks. Like I always did between series to find out if there was something I should relay down the line here for us. And I said, why did you flip that one protection? I said, what did you see? He goes, oh, I didn't see anything. I, I heard them talking about it. They were arguing about who's blitzing. So I knew they were coming from over there. So, you know, <laughs> the, smart the pandemic. Smart <laughs> you win with smart players. I tell you. <laughs> So the other thing I see in in the realm of pass protection, blitz pickup, especially with how popular 
the simulated pressures have become, right, is a, a lot of times only four guys are, are rushing and there's guys out there blocking air, right? And, and you know, I think you see it more at the, the lower levels, the, the higher levels, guys know where to go and help. But it was a question that as Coach Gruden was going over his presentation at the Cool Clinic and the different questions he's asking, he asked the one, what's your system for help? How do you get help? And, you know, interestingly enough, I was able to spend – uh, an evening with him watching ball at his fired football coaches association uh, office there that he had in, in Tampa. And uh, I was there recruiting. And so got to sit down with him, talk ball. And he showed a, a protection, a nudge protection, right? Where the, the running back is, is uh chipping. I think he was showing maybe Sproles from uh, the saints at the time. And, you know, just getting into this defensive end and standing him up and, and then going out into his route and the, you know, the tackle really doesn't have uh, much to do but to decide, you know, where in the ribs he's going to hit him after this guy's been frozen and, and knocked from the side. So um, not only that kind of help, but the help of, all right, my guy didn't come. Where do I go to help? Because I think that can be done incorrectly as well. I know the one thing, we had a situation where we had a young offensive line and a guy was going to help. He'd come right across the quarterback's face to help on the other side, right, a guard. And and the quarterback's just seeing color. So that flash in his face, he's kind of freezing. You see his legs a little bit. He's Instead of going through his progression, he's thinking he's, ha- he's going to have to escape. So there's a lot of different ways you do it. But again, I think this goes to having some kind of system for it. So I'll start with, with Kyle here and your approach to teaching guys where to, to go and who gives help in, in certain places. Yeah, I mean, I'll, let me start just because I've, you know, I've obviously been coaching running backs for a while. So I'll start, let me start with that and then I'll move into the line and then coach can take over with, with that because he knows a hell of a lot more than I do about that. But so I know coaches work, Coach Wiley's also worked with Hugh Jackson. And I remember when I took over as running back coach for Hugh and he was coordinator, one of the big things he always said was the back releases through the B gap. And, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I knew he had done that the year before and everything. And, so, you know, it's a, it's a slippery slope sometimes if TEs start happening or ETs and because you don't want to touch the lineman. You don't want to knock the lineman off. But at the same time, there's there's really good three techniques, and that's usually where these, you know, Grand Donalds and all those guys are. And, I mean, we started, you know, when, when it was – when the B-gap was open, we could get out. I mean, we were going through and kind of – we weren't knocking the three technique off, but we were trying to slow them down, you know, get a little – just get a little elbow in on them and – you know, if you if if he was if you could get a, a shoulder under him and stop his feet, then we were trying to do that for our guards, and our guards knew that that was happening. You know, but I think too with the outside chipping, there's so many guys that, that these rushers, if you watch them, like Von Miller for sure, if he knows there's a there's going to be chip help, you'll see him. He won't even try to go around the tackle. He's he's already got something in mind. To, he's got his other moves in mind. But we always taught those guys, and it, you can't practice it. That's the only problem with that. You can't practice. You can. I mean, we you can find ways to get rib pads on people and stuff, but you don't want to hurt your own guys in practice. And but we always taught those backs. You know, you're you're going in and you're trying to take something out of that that end, but not knock him off of the block of the tackle either. So there was a lot of work, and coach, I'm sure you've done it. Is the work between the tackle and the back, knowing that you've got chip help, so the ta- the tackle might adjust his set a little bit, knowing that. But the problem you get is, especially the younger backs, these idiots think uh they they just think it got help you know and then they kind of go out and they just throw their arm up like oh yeah you saw i, I was thinking about it well no you gotta go hit the dude because the tackle's expecting you to hit him 
tackle's expecting you to slow him down or knock him off course. And it's like anything else. You can teach them to do something. They can tell you they're going to do it, but do they actually do it or what, you know, whatever. But those are, those are the techniques we used. And then we started using tight ends as well, like, you know, in the wing position. And that was a little easier than a back out of the backfield because he's already there, you know, and he could, he could hit him before the tackle ever really gets close to him. But I know we had a lot of issues with, like you said, like say, say the, the, they bring a fire zone from the left and the right side, the defensive end and the mug linebacker both drop from the right side. So the right guard and the right tackle, you know, it technically don't have anybody to block unless they come back and help. And uh, I'll let coach talk about it, but we always had to figure out from week to week, what was the health system? Is it, is it drop out lookout or is it drop out post back in? You know, what, what was, what were the issues of the week? So coach, I mean, I'd, I'm sure you've seen that, you know, a lot more than I have. Some of the systems I've been around, the, the you had the chip out from the backs, but I tried to tell the tackles, and I and, and the chips because we put the chips into the nomenclature, we just didn't mm-hmm. let the backs do it randomly, okay? Yeah. No, so we would yeah. say chip sixty, or we would say chip eighty four, or, or whatever that was, and and so we would, you know, say, hey, you're going to get help on this play, but if the backs Butch responsibility comes, and that tackle yeah. doesn't have any help. Mm-hmm. So you had to kind of figure out if you wanted to change the tackle set or not. Most of the times I didn't, unless we had a good key that says, hey, that linebacker ain't coming by the contour of the defense. Okay, and I got yeah. chip help, so I can cheat a little bit here because I know I got a back coming with me. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you had to play those games with them. Then the other games you had to play with them is. Say that it's a formation, right? You get a one technique on the left guard, or the guy's in the eight gap weak. But you mm-hmm. call the protection right. You got the center going right. The left guard and the left tackle, right? That left guard, he's in a bind. He's got a guy in the eight mm-hmm. gap that he's responsible for. And your center's leaving. He's going right. Because he's got a one technique over there, the right guard. You know, how do you work that? Okay. Or he maybe have a two technique on the right guard. There's a one technique on the left guard. So we would mm. we would have a call. We would say help. You know, we would say our call my call would be Roger. Roger, help left. Or help mm. left Roger. So he was telling the right guard, right, I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna hit the one technique. And then I'm gonna come back to your side. Okay, so yeah. I'm still gonna have your inside. You're still protected. So do what you need to do. Okay, and I still have your inside. But I gotta help my left guard. That was another way of of helping, you know, a guy inside. You know, and you're right with Coach Jackson. You released through the B gap. We called it sideboarding. Yep. Well, if that mm-hmm. God knows that he's got help coming through the B gap by the back, well, he can do different things to the two technique and to the one technique, or even to the three technique, because he knows he has somebody coming through that B gap that's going to hit mm-hmm. that guy. And if we had two backs and it was a three technique. We sent one through the B gap, and we sent the other one through the A gap. Yeah. Right. Now that three technique, he got no chance. Unless you blitz, he doesn't have any chance at all to get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we we did you know when does the center go to the guard? When does the guard come to the center? And you have to figure all that, all those little details that nobody sees during the course of the game, but the offensive line, the line coach. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nobody sees whatever we're doing with that stuff. Another thing that we did too, Kyle, and you probably been around it. Say we had 
60 protection or slide protection going to the left. They're playing mm-hmm. under defense. But we know that the wall linebacker ain't coming. He's not coming. So now we're taking the right guard and we're going four against three. And all of a sudden we look out there and we got a Mike Sam fire zone contour. Right now yeah. you're sliding four against two. Okay, because the wall mm-hmm. linebacker ain't coming. And the defensive end of that side's dropping. Okay. Yeah. So now you got four guys going against two. So what mm-hmm. we would do because of the nature of how we call protect or the concepts of the protection, if we had a slide protection on, that was we take the four down in the will, however we wanted the will to be. Okay? Yeah. We could change it to a solid concept and get back to the mic. So we would just, the line would say, solid, solid. Okay? And they say, hey, we're going to the mic. We're not going to go to the will. Even though if the protection called us to go to the he ain't coming. Right? And the end's dropping, so we don't need to send four guys over there. Unless, of course, yeah. we were playing against Richard Dent, you know, Bruce Smith, mm-hmm. Reggie White. Yeah. Then you really had to keep it on. But if you didn't have that, okay, or Aaron Donald, right, if, if you didn't have that, then you can change the protection and get back to the mic. Now, we told the backs, if, if they make a solid call and the guard's uncovered, you read it from outside in, not inside out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now he's looking at the Sam first. So if it's a Mike Sam yep. fire zone, he's picking up the Sam. We're picking up the Mike. You know, those other, yeah. those other guys are dropping. The Will linebackers, he has the push to get to where the Mike is. Okay? And the defensive end is dropping. And now we're more solid inside. We're more firm inside. Mm-hmm. So we played those type of games with the defense a lot. And that's what you do, you know, when you're taking these exotic pressures. And you say, okay, how are we going to handle this this week? What can we take and make it more firm or make it uh, uh, more solid for those guys up front and the back yeah. included to pick up what we're going to see? You know, because a lot of times, as you know, as a, we come to the line of scrimmage, we call a protection. Actually, when we leave to go to the line of scrimmage, we're not really sure who we're going to pick up until we get there. Does that, does yeah. that make sense? Because oh, we yeah. may be changing everything at the line of scrimmage depending on what we see. Yeah. Hey, guys, this protection isn't going to work. We need to get to this one. Or it's not so much the protection as, hey, he ain't coming. These guys are coming. We're going to go over here. Okay? And the yeah. quarterback has to be on the same page with the backs. And then yeah. they have to signal the receivers and you know, all that other stuff. So you can talk about how you did that and against the exotic blitzes that you saw. In general, when we come to the line of scrimmage, you call protection in the huddle. When we get to the line of scrimmage, we're not sure who we're going to block until until we get there. We know the rules of the protection when we're leaving the huddle. We know if it's a slide, we get the four down in the will, or whatever we want the build to be. If it's solid, we get the four down in the mic, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that. We know the rule of the protection. But when we get to the line of scrimmage, say we had a solid protection call, we're taking a four down in the mic. We get to the line of scrimmage and we see a will free safety coming. Well, if you don't want to cross read your backs like some teams do, mm-hmm. then we need to change and we need to make the will the Mike linebacker. So now yep. we need to go to the will as an offensive line. So now that's making the free safety the will for the back. Yeah. He's taking yeah. that guy. They're not going to send the Mike in the Sam if they're sending the will free safety. So the other <laughs> back now. Has the mic? He has the double read. He has the mic in the CM. 
going to the line of scrimmage. That wasn't the protection. Right? Yep. The line made their call and, and they, we lived with it until the quarterback said something. And, and, but there were times, I mean, the quarterback may have missed it. I'm not like, you're talking about the will free safety. I could think of one against the, the Vikings a couple of years ago in Detroit. We had a, a backup quarterback in after Stafford got hurt and he didn't flip it over and he got blasted. <laughs> I mean, didn't have enough guys. I remember that happened to me in, in Chicago. We are playing the 49ers, and, and Cade McDowell's the quarterback, right? And he comes to the line of scrimmage. So we always had the quarterback point. Okay, it takes these two. Okay, mm-hmm. so we get to the line of scrimmage, right? And Cade makes the point, right? And so we're going to say, okay, we're going to slide. We're going to go left. We're going to pick up whoever showed over here. And the ball snapped. And what K do? He looks to the left. Okay, yeah. and those guys come off the edge, and they hammered him. Ball's up in the air, and they recover the ball. So K comes running off the field. And he comes to me. He says, "Who has those guys?" I said, "K, they're your guys. Said, you pointed to them. You said it takes two. So after the game, yeah. the media got me. They said, "Coach, didn't you feel bad when the quarterback got hit like that?" I said, "No." They said, you didn't? I said, not at all. They said, why? <laughs> I said, because it's a learning experience. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, and, you know, and it, it goes to these younger quarterbacks and you say, you know, if it's a zero blitz or something, hey, you quarterback, you're, you're, you're blocking, you know, the, add, the, the add-on guy, the guy we can't block. That's your guy. You're blocking him with the throw. And I remember we had a quarterback actually ask, what, block him with am I throwing the ball at him? Like, did you really just say that? We're blocking him with the throw. He literally thought we were saying throw the ball at him. So I, you know, it's one of those things. I think we all know this is be careful what you, you know. You said it's more the stuff you don't say, but be careful what you say do and the way you say it because sometimes these guys they don't know they they actually take you literally when you say things that you know you think everybody knows. Well, they've they've all watched the longest yard. That's where they got that from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really want, you really need to. Kyle's right. You really need to explain and make sure that they understand. Don't assume anything, as you know, right? Make sure yeah. that you detail it for them. Well, looking at at that side of it with the quarterbacks, and it was a, a great moment this past Sunday, the Sunday night game. They, they blitzed Tom Brady. They got to him, knocked him down. You see him on the sidelines. I mean, he's been in the league forever. And he's coaching those young linemen, getting them on the same page. And, Kyle, you and I were, were talking about this. This this is still about trust. I and mean, we could come up with all these great ideas, scheme it up on the board, have all the answers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, none of this matters if if you don't have their hearts, right, that you have to build these relationships. And really, you, ha- you know, the – you have to fold the quarterback into this too, right? That that guy's got to believe in the guys up front and trust that, you know, these these guys got me. Uh, I can keep my eyes down the field. There's nothing worse than that quarterback who's in the pocket, who actually has some time but is, is jittery as hell because, you know, maybe he's not played with these guys. Maybe he's young or whatever. So there's, there's a lot to develop in that way. And I know you and I, before we got going, we were talking about it yesterday actually, just the player-coach relationship. It's something yeah. that you have to develop there and then certainly carries it between those position groups as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, and one of the things, I learned this kind of early on in my NFL career, like really early, like when I first got hired by the Bengals, I was a 
quality control coach. I was Paul Alexander's assistant online coach there. And Andrew Whitworth was on the team. And Andrew Whitworth, I was 31. I believe Whit was probably 29, you know, and he's already been an all pro and all that, you know, and, uh, you know, everybody knew who Whit was. And I, I remember asking him one day, just, just sitting around, I said, Hey, what, what, what makes you listen to, to me? You know, what, 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 why would you listen to something I'm saying? You're, you're an all pro, you know, here I am a quality control coach that is your coach and, you know, is one of your coaches. And he said, well, can you help me get better? Can you help me do something maybe that I, you know, can you help me prepare for a team? And I said, yeah, I can do, I can help you do that. And he said, that's what we want as, as players. We want, we want you to, we want to trust that what you're telling us is, is going to help us be better. And that, that led me later on to when I beat, when I got my own room, when I moved over to running backs, you know, there's times and, and, and coach Wilde, I'm sure you have the same thing. Cause you know, things change, you know how it is. You leave on Tuesday night and uh, uh, you know, or whatever. And then somehow or another, the coordinator or the, you know, the quarterback coach or somebody comes in and, and they decide at midnight that they're going to change something. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily always make it down the hall, you know, and, um, so my, <laughs> you know, so, so my thing was, if, if I didn't know an answer to something, if a player asked me, or if I, or if I wasn't sure, and we were going, we were going through the install or whatever the case is. And I, I just didn't, I, I wasn't going to give them information that I didn't know was right. So I, I would walk, I'd say, I'd tell them guys, I don't know. Let me go find out or guys, listen, Hey, that's okay. We, we'll get, we can get that fixed. I will, before we hit the field today, I will have an answer for you. And I would I, never I do, give them I do something. Exactly, I do exactly the same I, I thing. Exactly what you're talking about. Don't I, try I can't to do that because, the players. Yeah. Oh, they see through it too. Especially the NFL guys. They they'll see through it in a heartbeat. And I, I learned I learned if you tell them something wrong, uh, and, and I, I've I've ha- I had this happen to me maybe once, maybe twice. Not not a whole lot of times. And, and a lot of times it was because something had changed and not gotten down the hall to me. But you know, when you tell them something in a meeting and then you go out on the field and you run the play and walk through or whatever the case is. And, and, you know, you didn't give them the right information, their trust level and hearing what you're saying in the next meeting is way down, you know, and I, and I never wanted that to happen. I didn't want to be the guy that the players left out of there thinking, is he telling us, are we good here? Is, is this right? So I never want to be that guy. So I always made sure I knew the information first before I told them anything. Good point. That's an excellent point for a lot of young coaches to learn that. Because if you don't know, you're trying to, and especially if you don't know and you give them the wrong information and somebody gets hurt, wow, oh, yeah. look out for that one now. That's not good. And, and coach, I think a lot of a lot of coaches, especially young younger coaches like you're saying or new coaches, think that they're supposed to act like they know everything to the players. And I, I don't, I never felt that way because I'm a human being and there's, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm I'm not going to know everything all the time. I don't have the answers to everything. I'm, I'll, I'll admit to you that. And it's, it's one of those things where if, if you act like you have the answers to everything, you probably don't have the answers to a whole lot, you know, but it's one of those things where I think everybody's got to grow and everybody's got to learn and ask questions. Hey coach, let me ask you this too. Cause I, this was, this came up when I was in, in Detroit on my back says, you know, and number one, let me, let me, let me say this. And this leads me into it. I think every every the way you coach, everybody's held to the same standard of coaching and, and what your expectations are. But I don't think everybody is coached the same. And there's a there is a, a you know if you have an older guy in your room, he may not need the individualized attention that the rookie is going to need or whatever. And it doesn't mean that 
you're trying to give that guy a break or anything, but you know, you may have to give more attention to a certain guy. Maybe another guy just doesn't get it and he needs more attention. And, you know, everybody says, well, you coach everybody the same. And I don't, I don't think you coach everybody the same. I think you, you, your standard is the same, but you know, and that leads me into this is we had a back that had a bad knee and we, 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 some of the coaches were like, no, he has to practice to, to, to play or he's got to go through all the training camp practices and, uh, and so he got hurt in the first year I was there in 19 and missed a lot of the, a lot of the season. So in the off season, I finally talked to everybody into, listen, you know, when he gets back from the pandemic, you know, we need to make sure we, we back off this kid, you know, and, and yeah, I, I'm not saying he doesn't have to practice. I'm saying, but when he's out there, he doesn't need to be running six duos a day. You know, he knows how to run duo, you know, he needs to be in there for the protections and the, some of the pass routes or whatever things he needs to practice you know, and give them a couple runs here and there. But did you find that individualizing some of these things to your players, talking about trust, to make sure that they stay healthy so that they can last longer? Do, do you think that, that brought that well, closer you, to you? It, yes. You know, I, I was very fortunate to coach Joe Thomas. Joe yeah. Thomas didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. Joe went through the walkthrough on Friday, right? And he went through the walkthrough on Saturday and he played on Sunday. Well, Joe Thomas can do that. You know, yeah. I've got a rookie at another position that can't do that. So you've got to spend more time with that guy. I think what you need to do as a coach is you need to find out how they learn because yeah. they all learn differently. Okay, are they tactical learners? Are they visual learners? Are they audio learners? How do they learn? And then you've got to approach that kid differently than you would approach the other guy, uh, for instance, I could tell Joe what I needed. Joe, I need this. He's got it. Mm-hmm. But then I may have to tell another player and show him and make him walk through it and make sure he understands it and put the bags on the ground, which everybody's done. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, and yeah. Because that's, that's what that kid needed. You know, yeah. so you, you don't approach them all the same because they all learn differently. They don't all learn the same. So your approach to coaching has to be, I need to touch all the bases. And how do I find out how they learn, Kyle? What I would do is I would just ask them, what is the best way for me to coach you? Okay, coach, I need the reps. Coach, I can, you know, when when you put the film on and explain it, that's really good for me. Or, you know, I can can take it and, and bring it from the, blackboard to the grass. So if you draw it up on the board, I got it and I can get it to the grass, you know, stuff like that. I think you're absolutely 100% correct. And the players, they know, they know how good the other guys are. They know how JC Trudeau, Joe Petonio, Joe Thomas, Kevin Zeitler. My God, that that was a real good offensive line. I could just really tell those guys what to do. You know, JC's a Cornell grad. He's been around a long time. He was Joe Batonio. You know, Joe, you know, Kevin Zeit was Kevin Zeitler was the smartest guy IQ wise mm-hmm. on the whole team. The whole team. Yeah. That was with oh, him and so, Cincy. Yeah. Yep, so I agree yep. with that. So you know, so the, your approach to it, okay, number one, you have to know as a coach. You know, how do I teach them a new skill? And there's a way that they learn stage one, two, until they get to the unconscious competence stage. You've heard me talk mm-hmm. about that before. So you could, there's a staging that goes that you have to put them through as a coach. Okay, but in that staging, 
you don't have to, are they audio, are they visual, are they tactical? How am I going to, you know, can I yell at this kid? Or can I scream at him? Or do I just feed him sugar? Do I pat him on the butt? How do I, how am I going to do this? And so each one of them has an imprint that you need to get to to make sure that he understands exactly what you're looking for. And there's no gray areas. And I think yeah. what you're saying is 100% correct. 100%. You're right on the right course with that one. Kyle, walk us through. Okay, I'm going through the film. I got these now. And we got, I don't care what protection you use. But we need mm-hmm. to tweak the protection in order to pick this blitz or dog up. Just walk yeah. us through one of them. All right, so we had the, uh, you know, I believe Coach Gruden in the cool clinic called it double trouble. So it was the overloaded front, but they they were double mugging the two linebackers on the side, on the other side of the line. So over the guard, you know, in the A gap and B gap away from the overload. Well, the problem we were having is they were putting an extra defender, like a safety outside of that single defensive end on the opposite side of the overload. So what they're doing is they're trying to get you to take your entire, your, your, your center for sure, turn it, turn them all the way over to those three guys that are down. And then all of a sudden you've got too many guys for, you know, your guard tackle and, and back over here. Cause you really got four over three and all that. So what we were doing was instead of saying like, okay, it, we're, we're, we're 60 protection, like you were saying, and we're sliding to the left backs on the right center is going to block the nose guard blocks, the, the left guard blocks the tackle and the, Left tackle box in. Okay, so you're good there. Now, usually you say, okay, we're pointing at the mic or whatever, so that you know the line. Okay, now the now the right guard's going to block the first inside mug backer of the two, and then the back's got the second inside backer of the two. Well, what happens is they started reading the guard, the guard set, and whoever the guard set to, that guy dropped. The other guy came, and they also brought the guy off the edge. So you were always if you blocked it, just basic man rules. You were you were screwed. I mean, you you just couldn't do it. So we were telling those guards that that they were going to set, basically vertical set. Take the one, take the first one that comes, and then the back would then play off of him back, you know, and then go to the outside. So his eyes, the back's eyes would always have to start basically on the the inside linebacker. Then the guard was also also saying, so whoever came, the back would set in there. Take if they both came, the back would take the other guy. Screw it, you're hot off the guy off the edge. They they got you. But we started having to tweak that instead of just pointing and man blocking it and saying back, you're the you're the dual read. It became the guard was the dual read, and the back was playing off the guard. But it kind of was like they were both dual reading it. We actually called it a dual, believe it or not. But I'm sure you've heard you probably use that term too. But but we we flipped it because we knew that they were playing a game with us. So we, we decided to play the game back with them. And right. that, that's so just one. That's, in your tackle, yeah. your tackle was locked up on the end, right? He was locked on the end, correct. Yeah. 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 So and, years, and that, years they, ago, so some history for you, Kyle, because yeah, everybody uses the term dual, right? Years ago, okay, when we had the guard do a double read, say he went from Mike to Sam, and we would lock the end up, okay? We called out a Molly. Yeah. Because the yeah. guard had to take, there was two L's in the word Molly. And so the guard had to take two linebackers. Yeah. So what, okay. what you did was, what you did and, and how you approached it was, was really good thinking, really good idea. Right? Insight, where the guard was taken two, 
and the back was taking the other guy, whoever the guy didn't take. So that's what we yeah. would do with the back and the guard on a molly. So if mm-hmm. we would call it ripping lids, but the guard would be in a molly. So if the front inside linebacker came, the guard would take him and the back would go block Sam. Yeah. Right. So now we got it picked up. Okay. All you're doing is taking the Sam and putting them in the B gap. Right. So the guard's taking one and the back's taking the other one. It, it, yeah. It's amazing. I love it, Kyle. I really love it because it shows the game. We did that way back in the eighties. Okay. Yeah. And the game has evolved right, right back to that. And you guys did it in two thousands. You know, mm-hmm. how many years later? Twenty years later, well, you guys were gone. <laughs> and, and, and coach, coach, the, the biggest thing too that I found was the you had to understand what the, that that's what they were doing on defense. You know, it wasn't just, you know, oh, well, if this guy comes, this guy, you know, we knew that they were reading the guard, but they were also, and Indianapolis was the team that did it to us last year, that the best as those two linebackers, because they knew that we were kind of doing that. They, they started stepping up really hard, both of them. So it, it, it gave you some indecision. So we had to even tell our guard, be more patient because one of them is going to drop out of there the way they were doing it. But they were both stepping up there, so it was pulling the back up in there too. And then the guard would take one, and the back would have to like peel out and go back outside and go get the other guy. So they were playing games with it. We had it picked up, but then you had to coach the technique of when you see this front, don't go flying up in there. Okay, this is one that we're going to tell you you don't have to you don't have to fly up in there. You know, usually with backs, you tell them to get up in there with the line and stuff. But with this one, it was like, listen, this one's tough. So you know, and and that's just one example and. I mean, That's he, he a great one example. thing. Too. One one last thing for me: when we would game plan, one of the biggest things that was on my plate was figuring out for each protection. So I had like a, I actually had, I'm, I'm a nerd, so I got, I had like a spreadsheet that I would print out and I would handwrite it in these boxes. So it was like a grid with all our protections across the top, and then uh, all the different issues that would go in there and stuff. So I would look at like say you know, your play at your one back play action protection with a tight end staying in backside. So you're faking to the left tight ends on the right, you know, you're you past 93 week or whatever, you know, you, you, you look at those, and you go, okay, what happens if they bring the safety backside? Does the, the, the back, the back's got to go back or whatever. And, but, you know, can we re ID it and all those things? So I take all that in there, but there'd be some protections coach. And I'm sure you've done this too, that you just go, guys, we don't need to run this protection this week. This is just dumb. We can't really, – they got their guys. We're going to have a one-on-one that we don't want with a tight end. Or uh, we, we – guys, we just – this protection doesn't make any sense this week with what they're doing. Right. Or, or you're going to change the protection so much that it's impossible yeah, to practice correct. all the new techniques you have to give them. And I so tell I, you what, I would go in. we always go into a game with way too many protections in my little brain. <laughs> You don't need half the ones you go into the game with. Right? Yeah. And, but I just remember telling them, I would go in and say, do we have, because what it, what it would be is the coordinator or the, the receiver coach or somebody would have a pass route drawn up. And it would be some something off a of play action where you're trying to throw over the linebacker's head or something. And they're like, yeah, I want to run this play action. Can we, can we run the same route out of something else? Like, you know, because they wanted the route so bad that they were willing to, give the protection, you know, put the protection at risk just to get the route off. And I, and I, I never understood that because, you know, you've got, you, you, like you said, the quarterback's the most important person. Why are you going to put him at risk just to get a, a, you know, a 20 yard gain? Can we figure out a 20 yard gain somewhere else? 
Right, exactly. I know, that was, that, what I would do, Kyle, I'm I, I, in the protection meetings, right, I would look at the board, okay, and they would have all the passes written on the board like everybody else does, okay? Mm-hmm. So the, they all, and then I would go through and I say, okay, we're using this protection one time to throw that one yeah. route, okay? Mm-hmm. Guys, we don't need that. Well, this this is a sure touchdown. Are you you're right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's find mm-hmm. a sure touchdown with all these other ones, okay? Because mm-hmm. we don't need to put them through this and practice that protection. How many times do we need to practice it during a week? And how many times you're going to need to throw that route? Why? We can use one of these other ones. Just erase that. Don't even do that. That's why I'll give you a good example, Kyle, and this may help you down the road. Tom Moore, who I think was one of the best offensive coordinators ever in the National Football League. Okay? Mm-hmm. Tom Moore, every day, you have all, everything up on the board. So every day they run plays, they come back to the offensive meeting room, and they put a W next to it because on Wednesday – and they would put a T next to it if they ran it on Thursday. And they would put yeah. an F next to it if they ran it on Friday. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then on the walkthrough on Saturday, they would put an S. Okay. Yeah. And then he would start to finalize his game plan, his call sheet. And he'd go back to that board. And if they don't have it practiced that week, he erases it. Yeah. He takes it off the board. It's not going to be on the game plan, okay? I thought yeah. that was really good. <laughs> we, did, we we did a lot of similar things like that with uh, with with Daryl Bevel, and I know if we didn't, if we had not practiced it through Friday, because Friday was a red zone day for us, and you, you actually couldn't get all your red zone plays practiced, and so we would try to go through and you'd figure out like, shoot, we only walked through this play. Uh, yeah, let, that's we didn't get enough practice with that one, you know, and even if we did walk through it or whatever, just, you know what, man, that practice rep we had, that thing looked bad, you know, and we'd X that one off and, you know, and it, 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 it did clean it up. But at the same time, my, to my point was I still, there were some, some Sundays you go in and you're spending more time reminding your dudes about, Hey, is one protection. All right. You know, if this play gets called, just, you know, Hey, if you don't, I always told the back sometimes, Hey, listen, you may not get out on this one, even though you could get out, just make sure everything's good before you leave, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. One year we self-scotted ourselves. We learned this the hard way. One year we self-scotted ourselves. And at the end, we put all the plays up on the board. We had all these mm-hmm. big rooms with all these whiteboards. So every play we call that year, we put up on the board. And then yeah. if we only called it one time, we put a red dot next to it. We only called it yeah. one time. We had 138 plays that we only wow. called one time. I said, guys, that's two games. That's yeah. two games. We don't need to do this to the kids. This is crazy. Right? Yeah. So that's where we got a little bit smarter. We used to say, hey, anytime we would try to think of running something else, let's run 16 one more time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember those red dots? Remember those red dots? <laughs> so, well, let's do this and we'll do that and then we'll trap this guy. Now, let's run 16 one more time, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Sam, Sam, God rest his soul. I love him, Bill, and he was one of the best head coaches that I have ever worked for. And, and he was good at coming in, you know, late on a Tuesday night and drawing some weird old running play up on the board 
right, and, and you look at us, and and then we shake our heads and say, "Yeah, we're going to run 16 one more time." And then he erase it and he leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's some great stuff here, guys. Uh, uh, Coach Wiley, I, I love just sitting, being a fly on the wall for these conversations and hearing you guys tell the stories, but bring up some incredible coaching points and things to learn from as well. And Kyle, we certainly appreciate you taking the time and mm-hmm. being here on the podcast with us. I would tell the listeners, guys, go to Coach Tube and, and get Kyle's video because that is going to help you. It is really going to help you with the blitzes and stuff. I thought that was one of the best presentations that I've heard and that I have seen many, many years. So I would highly recommend right that especially you young guys and even the older guys go get it and watch it and write down what he's talking about because it's only going to help you he's one of the best guys doing this stuff appreciate you coming on and listening and sharing ideas and information you know i always tell and people ask you know why do you do this you know morally as I came up through the ranks, okay, Pop Water, junior high school, high school, college, football, football, pro football, you know, all that stuff. Okay, people helped me. I didn't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Somebody helped me yeah. along the way. So it's only morally correct for me to help somebody else. You know, yeah. I don't care if it's a Pop Water coach, junior high school, it doesn't matter. Help the profession. Help these guys get better at coaching. Okay, so the players get better. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's really what my philosophy is. They help other people. It's okay to help other people, All right? And then I think you you do the same thing. You can help somebody I, I help. Try. Yeah. You know, help yeah. them. Well, thank thank you to both of you for taking the time and helping coaches out there. It's, it's uh, means a lot just to be able to share these conversations with coaches. So uh, again, Coach Wiley and, and Kyle, thank you again for taking the time and being here to help coaches. Yes, sir. Oh, you're, you're welcome. God bless you guys. Kyle, hey, you good too. to talk with you again, buddy. Stay in touch. I will. Always good to talk to you too, man. Thank you for having me on.